tennis.com podcast. And here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hi, everyone. Tennis.com podcast. This is the men's final edition. I'm Ed McGrogan here speaking with Peter Bodo down in Key Biscayne, uh, the men's final coming up on after some sort of irregular circumstances, and that's actually what I wanted to talk to you about first about, Pete. The final is Novak Djokovic and Andy Murray, uh, but the big story for most of yesterday was the uh, withdrawal of Rafael Nadal, and you even mentioned uh, yesterday on Twitter how the how the press room there was actually sort of a very strange scene with this with this pullout, and I you know I, from people who obviously haven't been in these situations, you know the the press is sort of conditioned to how you know the matches are going to go, sort of what's expected, but this did throw a wrench in things. So can you kind of just set the scene on there before we get into the final, since that played such a big role in this? Well, yeah, you know, I mean, basically it was the way they split up the the event here into day and night sessions right into the semis is, you know, if number one, they're living on the edge because basically if they lose a semi like yesterday, they got nothing to give the people. I mean, it was a doubles match featuring uh, Vanya King, I guess, was, and Nadia Petrova were the biggest names. But, you know, that's not a lot of uh, tennis for somebody who bought a ticket. So people were leaving here at the same, at a higher rate than they were arriving when it approached match time. Nevertheless, I mean, they will be in it. They will be allowed to exchange those tickets for a session next year. But, I mean, who knows? You know, that never really helps people, you know, today. So, anyway, that was strange. And, you know, basically everybody just hung around until 7 o'clock. You know, we had the press conferences. Murray came and did a press conference. Uh, Nadal did a, did a good press conference. But, you know, it was a little like all dressed up and no place to go. Uh, yeah, it, it it did have that feel to it from what I could tell from, from afar here. So for, you know, Murray, he gives his press. We heard from Rafi yesterday about his presser. Murray gave a little thing about his too. This is actually the second time that he's um, he's benefited from, from a withdrawal this tournament. He already missed Milos Raonic before, I believe, and now he misses, you know, the biggest guy he could have faced, Nadal. Um I'm you know, expecting Djokovic to come up with it <laughs> with the flu or something. <laughs> oh, well, that's the triple crown, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So for Murray, um, from sort of what we remember, how is he? I guess how is he looked this week? And and, and then we can kind of get into Djokovic. This two, you know, this mentality between the two. Well, I think Murray has looked has looked good when we've seen him here. You know, I mean, he did struggle a little bit the other day against Tipsarovic, but you know, he had an upset stomach, and I think that's so. It's really, it's really, really difficult to play when you when you have a, um, in you know that kind of a side issue that's that's bothering you, especially a stomach type issue there. That's particularly bad. But um, you know, he's actually he's given the fact that he's lost in the first round here the last two years, he's got to be feeling very good about his chances and about his game, uh, provided he's healthy again. I don't know if, if that... Um, uh, he seemed to be healthy yesterday in that press conference, so he should be okay, but uh, I, I think he's I think it's clear sailing for him. I mean, he's looking at, you know, a, a good, good, solid week. Yeah, and considering that Murray had the first round loss over in Indian Wells, this is uh, as good a bounce back as he could hope for here. So, he's going to get Djokovic um who I, you know, I, last night Djokovic serves for the match um, against Monaco 5-4, serves for a straight set win, I should say, 5-4. The exact same scenario that he was in the prior night with um, with David Ferrer. And for the second night in a row, 
Djokovic is broken. You can definitely tell, you know, watching from my end, you could, you could just, you could see the nerves really creeping, which, which, you know, is not obviously uncommon at all in pro tennis by any means, but it is, it is sort of surprising to see considering how bulletproof Djokovic was in 2011. And that's really kind of what I wanted to talk about is, you know, for these two matches, he gets the wins, but what do you really take away from those, especially with, um, you know, the final round coming up? Well, I take away the fact that he's got a, his belly's half full. You know, he's not a hungry guy anymore like he was last year. Let's face it, he's you know he's he had a great great year. He won the first Grand Slam of the year. He can sort of coast and cruise control until the French Open. Uh, you know, as long as he's winning matches and 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 in the mix, you know, he he can do that. Now, I don't think he wants to do that. You know, I don't think he's doing that intentionally. But the bottom line is, the motivation is going to be pretty hard for him to muster the kind of energy and and an absolute focus that he had here last year. And that's going to be a kind of an asset, a hidden asset for Andy Murray because. Because, you know, Djokovic, uh, you know, you know he's, he's been vulnerable here. Uh, last night was a little bit in, odd because I think uh, I'm a big fan of that theory that, you know, when, when one of the guys really, really plays badly and the other guy plays really, really well, which was the case in the first set yesterday, you're almost begging for something to go wrong and something usually does. It's like, you know, the guy who's playing great, his level drops, as we saw Djokovic's drop. It's almost like the guys, you know, lose their rhythm because the other guy can't play. And so, you know, Nevertheless, you know he, you know Monaco got back into it. Djokovic got out of there luckily with the tiebreaker, and he's got to be thinking a little bit about that little, you know, he, that he can't drop that way against Murray. Yeah, six love sack goes into a set that was almost an hour and forty forty five. It was an incredibly long second set, but that's yeah, that's what happened there. I can think of I should say one. I can think of one tournament coming up that Djokovic should be motivated for. I think besides the French, and that's Monte Carlo with. Nadal, uh, you know, winning there the past seven times, Djokovic has a place there. So that, you know, that will be an interesting one, but I think your point's well taken about the rest of his schedule, really kind of how it shapes out the rest of the year. But, um, you know, the here and now is Djokovic and Murray, so why don't you just break that down from your perspective and call the winner, because I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Well, you know, uh, okay, I, I, I'll, I'll reverse it. I like Murray to win today because basically I think he's he, he's still on the uptick. He's got Pretty good momentum, pretty good fuel. Uh, Ivan Lindel has put a little little bit of wind into his sails. Uh, even Djokovic said last night in his press conference that Murray's forehand is much improved. And look, the head-to-head is 7-5 to five in favor of Djokovic, but Murray has won five of their last eight meetings, and he, you know, and they played a whale of a match uh, that, you know, in which Murray held his own at the Australian Open. Uh, in fact, Murray beat him in the last time they played in Dubai. So, you know, I, I, I think all of the all of the momentum is on Murray's side here. I think Djokovic is, you know, sort of sitting back a little bit, you know, waiting to see the lay of the land. He's got the Grand Slam title in, in, in his pocket. Uh, it's it's a good time for Andy Murray to, to make a big statement win. And, of course, the theme just keeps going on and on and on. When is Murray going to be, become a legitimate part of the big four rather than the big three and a half? Right. That conversation will get kick-started right again. I think, you know, whether you think it's... Technically, by the way, let me just add that technically, I think, you know, Murray is the one guy who can actually find holes in in Djokovic's aggressive offensive baseline game. These other guys just aren't good enough as counterpunchers and aren't precise enough uh, in their their transition from defense to offense to really exploit the very few holes that Djokovic might have in any given given point. So uh, that's a big plus for Murray. Including Federer and Nadal, I, th- I assume you mean. Yes. 
Well, right. I wouldn't call yeah. them counterpunchers either, but you know, yeah, of course. yes, you know, those those guys can you know do it. But I th- I actually think Murray does it better than Nadal does. I don't think Nadal's Nadal's defense is great in terms of rescuing himself, but I don't think I don't think Nadal is is quite you know maybe Murray might be a little bit better in in turning the tables in a rally to, to have it go his way by 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 finding a soft spot in Djokovic. Okay, well, good stuff, and uh, we'll see how it turns out. For P. Boto down in Florida, I'm Ed McGrogan up in New York. Thanks for listening to Tennis.com Podcast. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com. 